What's up? Well, happy Thursday night. Uh, we are here for Across the Pitch for our third episode. I am Mike Barrera. Uh, you can see my Twitter handle right there, Ember1323. And I'm joined from across the pond with Dave. How are you doing tonight, Dave? I'm good, Jess. I had a, pre- uh, a pregame nap just to make sure I'm uh, 100% for the podcast. I'm looking forward to it. As a parent, I'm very jealous that you got the nap today. That's an extreme jealousy for mine. I mean, listen, it's a, it's a delicacy in itself. I, never, I think it's probably the first time I've napped voluntarily in about two, three years. So. Well, it's funny. For all people who, like I said, don't know, Dave is from England. So we're talking sometimes at 11 o'clock at night, Eastern time. I'm like, isn't it 4 o'clock in the morning for you over there? He's like, yeah, yeah I'll sleep eight hours anyway. I'm like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, anyway, how how you doing tonight? How are you feeling about the union uh, going into tonight? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, topsy. I'll get onto it. A very topsy turvy game from Saturday night against Chicago. But I think in general, I think yeah, feeling quite positive. Uh, big game again this weekend against Nashville. We'll get onto that. Jim Kern's comments as well during his press conference. There's plenty to talk about today. Oh, yeah. There's a ton to talk about. Um, but you're right. You know, there's a lot to be excited about for this team. You're still unbeaten on the road coming into tonight. So uh, yep. let's, let's get right into it. So the first thing, obviously, you're talking about the news and notes of the franchise so far. Uh, we always preach about the academy and how great the academy is. But, but right now, they're currently on a great run themselves. The MLS Next uh, tournament is currently uh, underway. And the, the, the U15 team is currently in the finals. Uh, which will be played tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So yeah. they defeated New England the other day 2-0, and uh, Darbo, uh, or Darobi, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, had a nice two, the brace there with two amazing goals of his own. So what are your thoughts on, on the academy so far uh, based off their perform, uh, performances? Well, I mean, obviously, it's a very good indication of where the future of the Union franchise is going as a whole. Um, again, the under-15s, and Junko alluded to it in this press conference, Watching them, it's like watching a mini union team. And I think I put it in quote in quotation marks, they're playing the Philadelphia Union way, which I think is always a good sign when you have a, you have that set style of play that is played through the entire team from the first team down to the under sevens, under eights. Um, again, it's a really good sign. Obviously, uh, Bajan Darobo, as you said, the hero, two fantastic goals. He's also an under 17s and union two regular as well. So again, that's a big name to watch out for in the future for the union. Yeah, you, you touched on it a bit there. You know, I, I think what sometimes people don't realize, the non-union fans who are kind of learning this this academy way is that the way the top team plays is is pushed through to the bottom youth levels as well. They want everybody to play the same exact style, and they want to make it so that when they do reach the, the highest level, they already are accustomed to the way, the union way of doing things. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they brought him over from Minnesota back last year. Uh, Minnesota had closed their academy, so he was one of the highly touted prospects coming out of Minnesota. So the fact that the union were able to bring him on and then he goes down and, and puts on a performance like he did was absolutely spectacular. For one, his free kick was just beautiful uh, with his right foot, and then he used his left foot to hit that nice goal at the top of the box. So. It's really exciting to see what he can do as well as the other youth members can do. And I'm hoping that they do actually end up winning uh, tomorrow night. Dave, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the game's at 7, right? 7 p.m.? Uh, I believe so. I think so. Yeah, I think it's 7 p.m. So this will be the first trophy that they would win off a season trophy. Uh, they yeah. have done the, I have it in front of me, the Generation Adidas Cup title back in 2012 with Jim Curtin, actually. 
And they also won the U12 Generation Adidas Cup in 2019 with uh, Kieberson, who was a former Union player. And then they had the uh, U13 CONCACAF Champions League in 2018. So we have gotten youth trophies in the past. That's great, but this would be the first one for the MLS uh, season for them or the MLS next season. So it's a big, uh, big exciting moment for them. Another term uh, of academy news, we have Tommy Wilson was promoted to the Director of Academy Professional Development. Uh, he's been with us since 2013, so it's it's nothing new <laughs> for him entering this, this you know this position and being with the franchise. So, what are your thoughts on that? Just from hearing that news. Well, I mean, obviously, it's again, it's a very good indication for the franchise to have a guy that has been here since 2013. He's in a similar position to Curtin, where he's seen these players grow. He's seen players like Mark McKenzie, Brendan Aronson, go from literally young boys turning into professional players being able to go into Europe and he sat with that development and we're seeing this year the work that those guys with the academy have done with Jack McGlynn um, and you know players like Quinn Sullivan breaking into the first team and Paxton Harrison being on the fringes I think it's a good I think again it's a, it's a good sign that the union are happy with the way that things are going in the academy in the first team No I, I completely agree and I think the the continuous um group that they have in place is very important you know sometimes you see franchises consistently losing members changing coaches and they don't get that familiarity with a system or a way of doing things uh so it's great now like you said i said earlier he's been with us for since 2013 so eight years now he's been with us jim Curtin has been with us you know for just almost as long if not about the same amount of length of time so it's it's great to see these these head leaders of the organization staying with us and continuing to move forward. So that's awesome news for Tommy Wilson. I'm very happy for him and happy for the Academy moving forward. Yeah. Um, one question I had, I just asked you, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago was something that I saw online. And the question was, who is the most exciting young player in the MLS? So I'll keep it to the union. Who do you think the most exciting young player for the union is? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about who do you think the best young player is, but who do you think is the most exciting right now? Um. I mean, obviously, there's a couple of big. Obviously, Quinn Sullivan's probably the easy answer to give there. Obviously, <laughs> the recency uh, bias there. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you can say the recency bias. The way that Jim yeah. Curtin's hyped him up in his press conference before the game, saying he could easily play in Europe, in a good league in Europe, to then back it up and score a bicycle kick in, in your first ever must start. Obviously, the excitement's there. I think Jack McGlynn can easily become a good player, but a solid midfielder in the MLS. Um, I think a player I'm interested to see more is of uh, Livian Baiza. I think he's probably one of the more exciting players in this team. Yeah. He has the pace. He's a very forward-thinking player. More of an under-the-radar sort of player, I feel. That I no, think. That's, yeah, I, that's a great. I didn't even think about him as, as one of those you know options, but you're absolutely right. I think you've seen him with Bedoya now paired together on the right side. He's he's getting better every single week, and I would agree. He's. I feel like he does bring a sense of yeah. excitement to that position and to the, the right side of the pitch. Yeah. Um, so I agree. I, I would say... For sure, you know, a lot of people were excited about Paxson Aronson and see what he could do compared to his brother. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are saying Paxson is right now the most exciting prospect, but we just haven't seen enough of him. So I would agree. Yeah. Mbizo, Quinn Sullivan, um, you know, players that bring a lot of excitement to the team currently and hopefully within the near future. So absolutely. So then we'll we'll segue to the next section here. Uh, we want to talk about Jim Curtin's press conference today. You were fortunate enough to be in that press conference. So Go right ahead. Take the lead here. What what did the coach have to say today? Well, I mean, I think it was a more of an um, interesting, well, um, the news conference that had, or press conference had more news than perhaps usual, honestly, with the Gold Cup squads being officially announced, mm -hmm. Copa America 
qualifying through to the next stage. Obviously, Venezuela got eliminated. There's injury news, um, not just ahead of the Nashville game, but going on and forwards, and also some CONCACAF Champions League uh, updates as well. So I think if we start with the Gold Cup, I think that's probably the most recent thing that we'll be looking at. Yeah. And obviously, full union players and concerned. Obviously, good news for us union fans. Perhaps not as good news for Le- uh, Leon Flark, but he has missed out on the US team. And from what it sounds like, I don't think he's going to be in one of the first reserves if there's an injury either. Yeah. He's um, he's um, he said that he had no contact with the American coaches. He hadn't heard anything from him regarding being a reserve. So he will be here during this big stretch going down the next two or three weeks bust. Obviously, Andre Blake, Corey Burke and others power will all be, all be going off with the Jamaica team. Yeah, I mean, I think selfishly speaking, I'm glad that Flock is staying with us. As you said, you know, he's a very important part of the of the midfield. So in a way, I'm kind of glad he was snubbed off it. A lot of times you see players do better after they've been snubbed from a an award or you know, a call up to their national team. So, you know, hopefully that makes you know puts some motivation into him to, to continue to, to play as well as he has. And I'm sure Leon Flock's name will be brought up again for the following Gold Cup and other national team call up. So the, the future is bright for him. But I think two of the bigger names here out of the four is obviously Andre Blake and Corey Burke. I mean Corey is is really playing at a high level. We said it uh at at the the the, uh, the Columbus game how well he played and in the Chicago game he puts another one in the back of the net. He's currently playing at a high level. I would say he's playing significantly better than Sergio Santos right now and he's and he's kind of covering Casper as he's really been a little bit cool. Well, actually, no, he had the goal uh, the other day. But regardless, he's he's helping Casper with the load in terms of not being the only forward who's scoring. So between Blake and Burke, who do you think hurts us the most right now? Um, I think obviously it's got to be Andre Blake. He's obviously one, one of the, or if not the best goalkeeper in the MLS. When you lose a player like that, we've seen so many teams, when they lose their number one goalkeeper, sometimes things do get a bit dodgy in the back. You don't have that same trust with, say, a um, with a Matt Freese or Joe Bendick that you do have with Andre Blake. So I think, again, it's going to be an interesting time for the union. Um, it's an interesting, an interesting point that uh, Jim made during the press conferences that obviously with those three being involved in the Gold Cup, it's unlikely that they'll actually be available for next week's game against the New York Rebels. From then onwards, they'll be away at the Gold Cup. Yeah, that, that's a big loss. We we had um taste of both Bendick and Priest last season. Uh, I would say majority of the, the Union faithful do not want to see Bendick starting in net. Uh, <laughs> and Priest did it well. He actually stepped up and had and had a couple of nice moments there. So I mean, you know, just I have to ask you, who would you rather have between the two of them? I think obviously they're both. They're both untested goalkeepers in terms of experience at the highest level, well, at the highest level in the MLS. So I think, again, it's going to be a free hit. It depends. We see it so often where goalkeepers are terrible or play very poorly. John John runs when they're younger and then when they do get a chance, some keepers just take a hold of it and then become very good goalkeepers and they show what they actually have got. So, I mean, obviously Bendik has struggled at times, but he could end up starting and being... A very good goalkeeper and doing what Andre Blake has done, perhaps on the last level, helping the union with points. I've got trust in Jim Curtin to make the right decision, and I know he'll, um, I I know he'll pick the right goalkeeper. So uh, yeah, last season as they were pushing to get the supporter shield, I mean they were 
obviously leading the way at the end of there, but there was some fear that they would lose that uh, chance to win the trophy with, because of Bendik in that. And he, you're right, he did not play very well. They put Freese in. Jim decides to make that switch, and, and Freese played pretty solid. Um, but games like the Atlanta United game in the CONCACAF, you will not have that first half that Blake did with either of those two guys. Yeah. Um, and we've seen Blake make save after save after save. That is going to be lost with, uh, with, with his absence. So it, it's a lot of pressure on the defensive line and the midfielders yeah. to really play at a high level, which – Going back to your point about Leon Flock, having Flock available with us now is huge if you're not going to have Andre Blake back there. You need to have as many bodies in front of him that are familiar with each other as possible. Um, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Yep. Obviously, it's a nice segue as well. As you mentioned, the CONCACAF Champions League, obviously the middle of August, the Union will be traveling to Mexico to play Club America. And Jim Curtin said that their preparations for that game have begun. They've begun to scout Club America, look at their players, watching film, and their preseason's just begun. So now the union can perhaps get some tape of preseason games and you know, getting up getting information of new signings, players going. So now it's gonna be a busy time for them, not just in the MLS, but they're gonna have to have one eye or people like Ernest Tanner are gonna have one eye on Club America and making sure that they're prepared, the the utmost prepared for that. CONCACAF Champions League semi-final. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going into uncharted waters, both yeah. playing in Mexico City as well as, you know, playing uh, an international team of that caliber. It's going to be a tough challenge for them. I would say both of us would be happy with a draw. Uh, yeah. If you can get out of, out of Mexico with a draw, the sky's the limit when you come yeah. home, and, and then so be it. You know, you don't want to go down there and get blown out because it's just no. going to be an ugly return home. So uh, it, it's exciting. It's only now about – Five weeks away, really. I think yeah. it's the, was the twelfth, right, of August. Twelfth, yeah. Twelfth, okay. Yeah, he got five weeks to go. So, you know, I know the Concacaf and the MLS are two separate, you know, entities. But the way you play in MLS can affect your your mentality going into that big yeah. tournament over, you know, in uh, across the border. So I'm hoping that they can put things together and go into that that first leg of the game with some confidence. So absolutely. Yeah, any other thoughts from Jim's presser that you wanted to – I know you, I mentioned on the notes earlier, Elsino making some progress. Anything else you want to touch uh, upon that Jim said? Obviously, yeah, as you said, Elsino is making great progress. He was mm -hmm. training earlier today. He, well, Jim said he's ahead of schedule, looking very good on grass. So, again, that's going to be big, getting a player like Elsino back, even if, a player, even if it's just him coming off the bench. Yeah. It's that impact that you've got a player that's good in the ball and you can match that with players like Garzdag and Montero. And, obviously – Jose Martinez is back from the Copa America. Yep. Obviously, we could we'll discuss it again later on in the show when we just preview the Nashville game. But he will be available for Saturday's game. Now, uh, Jim mentioned uh, a couple things with with Martinez. Obviously, he's happy to have him back, but his his club team or his national team used him a bit differently than we do. So it, yeah. was, it was Jim has talked about how he was you know intrigued by it and maybe using Martinez in, in yeah. a different uh, different role now with the union. So with Bedoya a bit uh, hampered with his injury, he missed last game. You know he's obviously one of the, the older players on the on the squad. Having Martinez be a little more versatile now and some experience with that versatility is, is huge for this club, especially if you're missing Blake, especially if you're missing Burke. Um, so yeah. it's it's good. I cannot wait to have Martinez back. I'm sure he's going to get a yellow card probably in his first match because it's Jose Martinez. What do you expect? Yeah. Um, 
Who with Elsino? Did he give us a timeline at all when he thinks he could be back um, in full, full play? No, there was no uh, timeline on Elsino. He just said he's looking good. He's had a schedule, training well. So maybe that's a name to look out for on the team sheets in the coming weeks. Uh, again, I think that's pretty much everything from Jim's press conference that doesn't entirely concern the national game. We'll look at some of his comments on injury news in the uh, when we preview the national game, national game a bit later. Yep. Um, obviously, there was a big game again, obviously, at the weekend, which um, we were watching. Uh, yeah, I would say um, there are some games that you have, like the Chicago game, that is stressful from the minute the, the game starts to the minute ends. I mean, there are some games that are just like the Portland game. It was just a relaxing, fun game. It was fun to tweet out. And, and I felt like Chicago, I was constantly tweeting. I was constantly trying to like just keep up with the pace of the game. Uh, one of the questions you have on your agenda right off the bat is, is this a game of the season candidate? What do you think on that? Over, um, under on the minutes. On, oh, wait, here you go. Here's a good question from Eric. What's the over, under on the minutes until Martinez gets his next yellow? What do you go, Dave? <laughs> now, he's not saying this coming game. is the next yellow. Is it going to be next game, sure. this coming game, and how many minutes? Uh, I think it depends where he starts. If he starts this game, it could easily be 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think 25, 30 minutes if he starts is a probably a pretty good number. Obviously, um, again, on the road in Nashville as well, it'll be a bit of a hostile environment. The referee yes. could crumble under a foul. So, again, that could be something to, for you bettors out there. How's it, Martinez, to be carded? And we will talk about the betting side of Nashville and go in there in a minute. But I still want to talk about Chicago. Dave, your thoughts. Game of the can- or, sorry, game of the season candidate so far, Chicago versus Union. Um it's definitely up there as one of the games. I think there was another very good game at the weekend, which we'll look at later, which was the Orlando versus um, uh, Inter Miami game, which was, seemed quite an interesting game. But it was just that game was just back and forth. The Union Chicago game, yeah. obviously a horrible one goal for Glasnost in the I think the first ninety seconds. I don't think anyone could believe that it happened. Um, I think you look up and you just see the ball looping over Andre Blake going over his head into the back of the net. Couldn't believe it. I mean, it's probably one of the prettiest own goals you'll ever see. It was yeah. just like the, and I mean, the field was absolutely terrible. I mean, I, I don't, yeah. I can't remember the last time I watched a Chicago Bears game in the rain. So maybe this is like common for Soldier Field, but it was absolutely terrible. Yeah, it was like pitch. a swamp. It was like a swamp. I mean, you saw players just sliding around, the water's flying up everywhere. It, it was not a pretty sight. And, and Jim kind of mentioned this in terms of the scheduling. They had this the scheduling for this game. Obviously, at that point, they had played three games in seven days, which is for non-soccer fans a very tough schedule to, to play. Yeah. Um, and then you mix that in with the pitch and how poorly it was, or you know, poorly it was drained. It really wasn't drained at all. No. Uh, you 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 run a very high risk of injury. So I'm glad they were able to get out of that basically unscathed. Uh, but We've had two own goals now in the last three games. Two or two or three games we've had own goals. Yeah. Any any concern on your part for them, or is it just kind um, of a fluke? I think it's more of a fluke. I think the bigger concern is that they've now conceded five goals in two in two road games. That's the yeah. big concern. Yes, that is the bigger concern. So I had looked at the uh, the Nashville and the Union um, preview, just you know, just to see like the numbers that they had on ESPN. And I believe the goals given up from the Union were about ten or so so far. Yeah. But half of that was the last two games. Two games. And so, 
Yeah, go ahead. So if you think you look at the start of the season, they played five games away from home and didn't concede a single goal. So to then go and concede five in two games is obviously quite concerning from Jim's point of view. Maybe not a change of tactics, maybe a ch- maybe teams are starting to realise how to play against the Union at home. So maybe Jim might need to tweak that a bit to, so it doesn't get a bit stale, so when teams know how to prepare for the Union. Um, but I think, again, obviously, it was a back-and-forth game. That in the end, I think in the conditions, they did well to come away with the point. Well, I think you mentioned one thing, how to attack the Union, right? So you gave up two goals in Atlanta. You gave up three goals in Chicago, okay? You had two own goals, one by Casper, one by Glessness, right? Yeah. So just let's just take those off the board, right? It's a fluke own goal. The problem with the way the teams are scoring right now against them, and we've already seen this problem, we had the red problem against the Red Bulls, is the set pieces. Set pieces, yeah. We had 12 set pieces against the, uh, the Red Bulls. Luckily, we won that game 1-0, but it could have easily been a 1-1 game. Yeah. Right? Then you have Corey Burke losing his man in Atlanta, leads to the 2-0 lead from Atlanta. And then you have uh, Leon Flock, and you have Mumbaiza losing their man in the box, and yeah. two goals against uh, Chicago. So as good as the Union are playing on set pieces, and they're scoring, as you saw in Portland, three goals on set pieces, their defense is not holding strong no. in, in free kicks or corner kicks. And if you don't have Blake back there, that becomes a huge, huge factor. So what are yeah. your concerns on that? Or what have you seen from them on the set pieces? It's the scoreboard errors. It's the, it should be simple defending. I mean, the, the second goal they conceded against Chicago was terrible from Leon Flock. The fa- in that sort of situation, you just go with your man. Even if your goalkeeper is going to come and claim it or if you think another defender is going to come around and cover it, you still go with your man. You still have to. You still have the obligation. Yeah. The fact that I think it was Sekulovic or Sekulovic, whatever his name was, yeah. was able to work <clears throat> pretty much through the Union defensive line untouched to get to the ball. It, it, schoolboy from Leon Flark, but obviously he's still 20 years old, so he'll learn, but it's shocking defender. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, you want to see the chemistry between the defensive players and Blake. So I don't know yeah. if maybe he heard something from Blake or if he heard something else that may have caused him to stop. He didn't just kind of stop suddenly. Mm. But regardless, you're absolutely right. You are playing a set piece. You do not lose your man until you're absolutely certain that you're being called off the ball. Um, yeah. So it, it was it's it's upsetting because in on one hand, you're very happy that you had a makeshift lineup and you came out of the there with a point. Yeah. At the same time, you basically shot yourself in the foot three consecutive goals to, to put yourself in the position where you could not come out of there with a win because they were leading at one point. They were up two to one when Corey Burke scores that goal. Yeah. The only reason why they lost that freaking game is because they blew his pieces. Um, so it's 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 concerning, like you, like you mentioned before. Um, but kind of segueing off the bad a little bit here, there is a good goal to talk about. The Quinn Sullivan goal was absolutely perfection. I don't know. We're trying to get video to show on this. I don't know if Mike can get this video up for the Quinn Sullivan goal. Uh, we'll see in a second. Been it does. Him, but I didn't expect him to do that. First start in MLS Bicycle. for the Union. And I tell you what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make my first start and I'm going to introduce myself by trying an audacious finish into the far corner. And what an outstanding finish that is. No goalkeeper's going to save no. that. That's absolutely brilliant from Sullivan. 
Yeah. I mean, the, here's the, to do that at 17 years old is, is I think the thing that's the most shocking of everything that he saw the yeah. ball coming and say, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to bicycle this for my first yeah. goal. I mean, what were your thoughts as soon as you saw that go in? Uh, I could believe, it. I mean, obviously the corner came in. I thought, oh, okay, the ball's come across. Okay. Someone's going to attack this here. And then to see him, I mean, he could have easily headed the ball, could have easily brought it down and had a shot. But to have the to have the balls to do that at 17 <laughs> years old, when the MS debut was just incredible. I couldn't believe what I was seeing when he just, I mean, I think I said to you, I, I just literally sat there. I was like, I was scobsmacked. I couldn't believe he'd done it. And after going from the week before seeing Grasnez thinking, saying, screw it, I'm just going to go twat one in from 40 yards, then scoring a bicycle kick. Yeah. Incredible. So... Um, it's it, it's just I guess the equivalent of this in terms of basketball would be to be like taking it from half court and shooting from the logo is the confidence level you have to have to have a bicycle kick, especially yeah. at that age. Um, like you said, as soon as I was watching the game with you and we were chatting and stuff like that, as soon as I saw the goal go in, I kind of paused. I was like, wait, did did he just do did he just do that? Is that really what yeah. happened right now? And you could see the the reaction from Santos, from Miro, from uh, Jack Elliott. They were like. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, and actually, it was, you know, I had a, uh, it's something that JP said on, on the telecast was that he was the youngest player to ever score a union goal. Yeah. So not only does he get his first MLS start, not only does he get his first MLS goal, but he's the youngest player in franchise history to do it. Uh, yeah. It was absolutely remarkable. But a little bit more of Quinn Sullivan. You and I had talked about this the previous game when he came in uh, about how we liked how he was confident, he was aggressive, uh, you know, right off the bat. He, he kind of wins the ball in the corner, and it ends up being a corner kick. In yeah. this particular situation, that ball had been driven into play. It came to him, and he ended up settling and taking a shot, which was ricocheted off into the corner, which led to the corner kick to give him that chance. So aside from the goal, what have you seen from Quinn in terms of the way he's handling the ball and his confidence level while he has the ball at his feet? I mean, obviously, it was a difficult game for you to um, come in and, you know, Sort of mentally prepare yourself. Obviously, it's a what's well, it was a raucous crowd. But it's a big stadium. Soldier Field is one of the biggest stadiums in um in America. So obviously, yeah. that's quite daunting in itself. Then for him, and it's horrible conditions as well. You you if you're making your debut or your first start, you always want the pitch to be nice. You want it to be yeah. lovely turf, not for the ball when it bounces to literally just stick to the ground. Um, it was I. Again, I thought he looked composed on the ball. Obviously, there were some iffy moments where perhaps he could have released the ball sooner. But again, he's a young, he's a young player. He's 17 years old. So I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing a bit more from him. Hopefully, when it's this week, maybe it's next week when they're a bit when they're a few men down yeah. against New York. I'm looking forward to seeing more. Obviously, we'll get on to the Nashville game regarding the Jamaican players because Jim might use them to get the legs out of them before. Yeah. Before they go off two, three weeks. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think I, I can't remember which announcer had said this on on the show on, on during the game rather. But once he scores that goal, he did have a more of a confidence to him. You could see him kind of calling for the ball, um, you know, trying to make himself more of a presence. So maybe he already looked confident to begin with, but now having that goal under his belt, you know, he got the first one out of the way. Hopefully, he can kind con- of con- continue to play at a high level. Uh, but yeah. the the second great goal of the night was the Corey Burke goal. Glessens gets his first MLS assist on top of that. And it was yeah. really – it was a great strike by Corey, but it was kind of lazy defense to begin with. You know, the ball doesn't yeah. get cleared out of the zone. 
Glessens just kind of chucks it in there into the box, and Corey just takes care of business from there. What was your reaction to the Corey vertical? Uh, I was worried. I th from the way it looked, I thought he was offside originally. I thought, oh, no, he's in, he might have strayed offside, but he did yeah. well to hold his run and get in there. So, and I enjoyed a good finish across the goalkeeper to give him much of a chance. And again, that's what we've seen more from Corey Burke this year, perhaps that we didn't see last the last time we played for the Union, that more confidence on the ball. He's more bullish. He's prepared to take the risks and, you know, create chances. I think all in all, a positive night for the Union on attack. Shabirko's goal as well. Yeah. He did really well to chase down the what looked like to be a dead ball. Got off a great shot, which would have been an would have been a screamer of a finish had the keeper not been involved with the great save. But yeah, we'll take the end goal. Yeah, no, it was it, it was great to see, like you mentioned, Corn making more presence. And Casper goes out, and at first the uh, Chicago defender had went down after the Casper had passed him. Was like kind of calling for a foul. I thought he was going to be called for a foul. Luckily, the Sorry. whistle stayed silent. Um, but you know, it, it is weird. You start the game with an own goal and then you end it with just a you know a ricochet off a Chicago defender into the net. Uh, it, it, but that's what Casper does. He he will make he will play hard the entire match and he will put himself in position to score goals. I mean, and and uh, and Jim has mentioned this previously like Casper works extremely hard to put himself into position to make himself known into set pieces to make himself a prominent. A point in the offense so it's great to see him to see you no know, say he came off as a sub too he hadn't been playing the whole game he came no. as a sub uh, santos and burke had started that game so uh, so many people last season thought casper should have been benched and should have just been done with and to see him not only do well at times last season but to, con to continue to score goals at the rate he is now uh it's great to see from from him and hopefully we, we see more from him scoring goals in the future especially with Corey burke gone Oh, absolutely, uh, I think. And, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, before we move on to our MLS chat with uh, yes. my friend Sam, who is also from across the pond, um, can we talk about a couple of individual performances? Yep. Stuart Finley made his first start for the Union, and he was the best player on that pitch by a country mile. Looked fantastic all night, reassured at the back. He didn't let anything get past him. He intercepted loose balls. He was mm -hmm. he stepped in and made good challenges. I was Jim Curtin has 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 her so has a selection headache for, ahead of him now ahead of this game going into this because I think Finley put in that I mean everyone look and go oh the Union conceded three goals or can't put in that good two awful set pieces and an own goal Finley couldn't do anything about any of those when he had to do his job he did them and I think he could have a selection headache ahead of the game on uh ahead of the game on Saturday night. So yeah, you, you you know you read my mind there with in terms of who performed uh, the highest level on on that on on the Chicago game, and you're right. Uh, Finley mentioned his press conference, and and he was asked about this as well. You know, how did it feel to make your first MLS start? How does it feel so far leading up to this? And he has not played. I mean, he really hasn't been needed to because you have Jack and Jacob playing at such a high level together. Yeah. You don't want to break them up. Uh, but he 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 mentioned you know always being prepared. You know, always being ready to rock and roll and, and just go in there and, and to do your job. So I thought he did well, like you mentioned. I thought he, he played great. The three goals, and he actually he mentioned this as well in the press conference. You know, you look at your first MLS start and you think, oh, we gave up three goals. But that's just very much on face value. If you look at the game in depth and you watch them play and you watch how the goals are scored, you could see he was not involved in any of the goals being scored against no. him. So I, 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 I want him used... 
uh, what's up, Chase? I want to see him what's use up, the same way we did last year with Jack and Jake, kind of rotating, seeing who fits the best matchup. Can we give Jacob a rest? Can we give Jack a rest? And, and seeing what we can, you know, how much he can contribute moving forward, especially yeah. like you said with uh, some of the Gold Cup uh, and injury uh, yeah. missed others. But any other individual performances that might have, you know, sparked your interest from that game? Um, not really. No, I think obviously. Uh, so we mentioned Corey Burke, mentioned Quinn Sullivan, mentioned um, Stuart Finley, Alvin, obviously. Alvis Powell, yes, uh, yay or nay on his performance? <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's yeah. My answer. Uh, it's kind of it what wasn't I'm great. Going with. It wasn't Horrible great. Pitch. Um, Horrible pitch, I'd say. I mean, every single cross he tried to put in the box just skidded across the ground, the wet turf. So hopefully, maybe better conditions, he might do it, play better. I thought, I thought he just kind of looked a bit. Um, just mentally off, like he had, he had one pass on the right side in the first half where he he turned around and just passed it and went right to the Chicago defender. I'm thinking, like you're not yeah. you're not paying attention or you're not you're not seeing the ball well. Something's a little bit off. Um, he just didn't look that confident yeah. at times. I mean, he's he's still a very valuable player in the terms of the depth role. So I want to see him get more uh, more time with a steady rotation, you know, with the backups or maybe just a better pitch, like you said. Uh, but I want to see more. Actually, I forgot to ask you regarding Jim Curtin. Did he mention anything about Kai Wagner and his hand at all or no? No, it was never brought up. It was an injury report, so. So uh, right after the first goal, the own goal, you know, Kai goes sliding to the, the sideline and he comes up with a bandaged hand that the trainer had on him. And you saw after the first half, he had a, a larger bandage on him. So I wasn't sure if he broke something or, or whatnot. But luckily in soccer, you don't have to use your hands that much. So <laughs> I guess it doesn't. Doesn't uh, matter too much. But anyway, let's segue into the next piece and bring Sam on. Uh, so, Mike, if you could bring him into the discussion. Here we go. See Mr. Tiller. Hey, Sam. How are you Hello. doing today? Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's nice to meet you, Mike. And obviously, I know Dave. Um, yeah, as, as Dave said, um, it's been a good podcast so far, guys. Well done. Um, as oh. Dave said, I also had a nap before I came on because uh, <laughs> about, it's almost 2 a.m. England time here. So, uh, yeah. Apparently, I have to move to England because that's where the naps are happening. Because down in Jersey, <laughs> nobody's getting sleep in Jersey. Uh, but I, listen, Sam, I appreciate you joining the show. Um, you know, Dave has kind of talked to me about you so far about what you do. So if you could kind of share a brief, you know, description of what you do in terms of MLS and your experience with this league. Cool. Well, I'm actually a fairly recent convert to uh, MLS. So I only properly started watching it this year. Um, but yeah, I sort of first came across it last year when we all were stuck inside and had nothing to do. Um, and I was I was just quite intrigued by it because obviously you think you think football or soccer, you you don't really think America as such. You know, it's not one of the, the big four sports. But I, I kind of I kind of fell in love with it, despite there being some very questionable decisions about you know having an odd number of teams in the league and two <laughs> conferences. But no, I've, honestly, I, this season I've probably started watching it. Um, Dave has kind of pressured me into being a Union fan for the past year. Good job, uh, Dave. Good job. <laughs> uh, I've, I've enjoyed. I mean, I've chosen a good time to start on the sound of it. You know, the last two seasons have been pretty good. Um, but yeah, no, that's that, that's me. Um, I've, I'm yeah, just sort of enjoying the ride, as it were. Yeah. Now, just from the so for me, I've always been you know more MLS based because of the, the Union being so close to home for me. But for an outsider coming in with your experience with the international side of football, you know, what is the biggest difference? between MLS and the international, besides like the level of play, but is there anything in particular that's glaring that you're like, wow, this is nothing like the Premier League? I, I think it's youth, the emphasis on youth um, yeah. in in America. 
um, is, is striking when you compare to England. I think you know my my football team in England is, is Wolverhampton Wanderers, um, and the academy, there's almost no link between the academy and the first team. But the end, no. you come to America, and as you were talking earlier about the academy, you know the amount of yeah. players that currently play for the union that have not only played for the union but they've gone abroad. I believe you've got a couple of graduates in you know in Portugal, yeah. in, in Austria, and it's 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 striking how much emphasis you place on youth, and I, I think it's worked. You know, you look at you know you look at the new breed of American players coming through. You've got you know Pulisic is probably the obvious. Yeah. It, it's 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 works and it's something I'd quite like to see back here. Yeah. Um. You know, and you know, with the new um, obviously you might have heard a little thing called Brexit, but that uh, with the new rules on um, football and the Premier League on Brexit, it means that we will also probably have to start looking towards youth. So now you uh, mentioned, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, uh, you mentioned you know bringing the youth back to to that that side of the, of the football. Is there a reason why in particular they've kind of gone off the youth, or can you kind of share some insight as to why it's not the same as America for those people who don't know the difference between that? Oh, you, you're showing the money right there. Money. <laughs> it is it is primarily money, mm-hmm. um, and, and also, I mean, me and Dave are very lucky now um, in supporting England that you know we've got a really strong group of young players. But traditionally, that hasn't really been the case the no. past couple of decades or so. And so there's been an emphasis on buying abroad, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it has done well. I mean, the Premier League is yeah. the best league in the world, I think. Yes. A large part of that is because you get the world's best players. Yeah. At, at, at the same time, you look at the big clubs, you know, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's. In the last decade or so, there, there was absolutely no, I think at one point, I think Chelsea had about 40 players out on loan that were just young players from their academy. They just couldn't get anywhere near the first team. So, mm-hmm. I, I th- yeah, I think the, the, the main thing that America does well, I think, is that it, it sounds corny, I know, but it almost provides the whole experience when you're in an academy. You know, you, you don't just go to an academy for a weekend or for a day's training. I think you, you sort of, you base yourself there. You sort of, your life becomes the academy. And I, I think it works. It works really well. Yeah, the, uh, the union have, have, really emphasized putting the money into the academy, which some people say, well, use that money to buy a top-level international player. Use that money for other things. If you can build top players in your academy, then it serves the same purpose. And you saw that with Brendan Aronson when he got sent to uh, Red Bulls, and you see that with, with, uh, with McKenzie as well. You know, sometimes MLS fans or maybe new union fans don't understand why it's important for the for the MLS teams to have a strong academy and to sell yeah. you know overseas how important it is for the brand Dave you and I have talked about this recently you know if you if you have an MLS program that has a strong reputation on building and developing youth you will have players from overseas coming to the MLS because of that youth development yeah. program so um, I think I think you touched on that perfectly you know it's like I said for me I'm, I'm relatively new to the international scene i'm much more mls so it's great to hear your insight on that but you know you're here to talk mls so what are your thoughts so far on the season and what have you seen so far from either the union or other teams in the league well i've been i have to admit I, I, going into the season I, I was kind of skeptical you know last year was a weird one i think yeah. you know the, the huge gaps pandemic I, I didn't expect too much but i've been pleasantly surprised at how well teams have adapted this season mm-hmm. um you know I, I've, I've i've watched a fair few matches, probably too many matches over the last few weeks. <laughs> on, on the whole, I, I don't think that, okay, there's more two teams, which I'll come on to later, which I think probably riding their luck a bit. But on, on, on the whole, it, it's been good quality football. And, you know, you, you've seen that, especially, what, three all the weekend. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was a great one. The, the uh, Florida Derby as well, which, again, I'll touch on later. 
but that overall i think this it's, it's been it's been a strong output for the mls yeah. yeah last year was weird i mean dave we played the new wrangling revolutions like seven times last yeah. year which is unheard of obviously because of the pandemic and and you know there is i guess some people say there's an asterisk on last season because it wasn't a regular season but you kind of just have to play who you're you know put up against yeah, yeah. there's nothing the union or anyone else could have done if we win the supporter shield because of it then so be it um but so far yeah it's been it's been an interesting season so far you mentioned a couple teams that are maybe playing better than they're actually uh you know able to do long term i kind of really curious to see what teams you're talking about there well there's the best cans i think is in miami who okay. You know, it's, you know, on the weekend they played, they played Orlando. So, you know, it's a rare interstate clash. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the first half they came out and they, they looked a good side. And then as soon as half time hit, a different Inter Miami came out. And <laughs> oh, it was a bloodbath. I don't understand it. They're obviously, they're coached by Phil Neville. who um, um, Dave knows my opinions of Phil Neville. He was the uh, England women's team manager um, before making the trips in this. And I, I just don't think he's strong enough a manager um obviously miami are owned by david beckham yes. um yeah. and you know i i definitely wouldn't want to go on record and say that there's any nepotism involved there in hiring yeah. Neville. but you you look at you know how his team lined up in the second half and how his team reacted to going behind against admittedly you know a strong orlando side i think yeah. orlando have probably been my team of the last few weeks personally they've you know they've been strong they had that five nil walloping a couple of weeks ago um and they came from behind to beat miami this time out um, but I think Inter Miami are definitely a team that I think are flattered to deceive, especially when you consider the players they've got. You know, they've got Gonzalo Higuain, who was, you know, one of Europe's leading strikers. He's far too good for that team. Um, and it, it does almost sort of, as I said, flatter to deceive that they're doing so well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because we, we saw Inter Miami not too long ago and the Union and Miami have kind of built a bit of a rivalry between each other. They don't really like each other that much, especially Higuain and uh, Jose Martinez. They got into a scuffle last season, and obviously yeah. this season they're, they were chirping again on the pitch. I was actually there for the game. I was hoping we could see more uh, drama between them this time around. But um, I, we had them beat uh, in Chester. We were, I think we were up one nothing, and then they come back and they, and they end up taking that game uh, in, in front of their home crowd. Which, But I wasn't impressed by them, like you mentioned. It wasn't anything that I was really blown away by. Uh, but Orlando is a team – that is currently sitting in second place. They have 21 points. They're right behind New England, who has 23. You touched about Orlando briefly. You know, what are your thoughts on them so far from what you've seen? You know, they're a very strong, capable side. Um, in terms of attacking options, I think they're probably one of the league's best. Um, you know, you've got uh, Daryl DK, who I think has scored about three in the past yeah. few games or something. And he was on loan at Barnsley in the Championship and England and scored goals from. in the Championship, which is the weirdest MLS collection this week, I think. Um, and then obviously you've got uh, Nani, who obviously played for Man United, big, big player. He's pretty much won everything he can in Europe. And, you know, he was absolutely bossing, um, bossing that game. Um, and, you know, I try every week to sort of identify my goal of the goal of the week. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't for Quinn Sullivan ruining my prediction at the beginning. Um, Nani's <laughs> goal against Inter Miami was... Yeah. was uh, that was that was very impressive. I agree. I mean, I had to vote for Quinn Sullivan regardless, but I agree. I think that was a very very close second, if not snubbed for the first. Um, but I mean, Dave, just what are your thoughts on Orlando? Have you seen anything from them in particular that kind of piqued your interest? I think he's spot on there. I think they're a dangerous dangerous. Well, I mean, if you've looked at the jump they made from this season in comparison to last year, where they were 
perhaps not as strong as the side. We saw them in the MLS Cup or the MLS's back cup last year when they did do all right to be fair. They played quite well in the group stages and mm-hmm. the union actually drew with them and they look quite they look quite a solid team. Obviously Nanny, as Sam mentioned, is a player that's done everything at the highest level. He's one of the examples of the bigger players coming over from Europe that have actually taken a custom to league. Because as we as we mentioned before we came into looking at the Inter Miami game, look at the quality the teams that have brought in these big players that you know the Higuain's place with Tweedy into Miami and these other teams that have brought in big names and they just haven't worked out. They haven't done anything for that team. Like yeah. into Miami have been poorly run. They haven't they brought in too many players, but they got fined and punished for it. They haven't had the impact they hoped they would. Obviously, they signed that Rodolfo Pizarro, who's one of the leading player, who was probably the leading player in Mexico. He's not had the desired impact he would have had. Whereas perhaps Miami, no, Orlando, sorry, have, as you see, they're, they're working well. They're, they're, they've obviously brought through academy players like Dow DK, who's still young. He's obviously on the books for America. He's 21 years old. Do you know what I mean? They're obviously they're going through things the right way and not perhaps the union path but they're gonna have play they're having players at Dal DK who's already made waves in England is clearly gonna perhaps give them an advantage for English players coming over or European players coming over in the future. Yeah, no absolutely it's same I, I know you know there's so many there's so much there's such a close group right now in the Eastern Conference between first and you know even eighth. It's only separated by ten points total. So there's a lot of, of close you know teams fighting for a playoff spot. Are there any other team in the Eastern Conference in particular that you think would be a threat to the Union or some another team that you think might could make a run within the next couple of weeks? It's a, it's a tricky one. I think I've got I've got my own Columbus Crew really. Um, not for not for any sort of mathematical reasons. I just think, you know, I watched I watched a, a, a bit of their game last week. Um, and, you know, they, they, it wasn't a great game. It was nil-nil. Yeah. But at, at the same time, you could kind of see they had the potential there. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a close league. I, I think I think next week they play... Um, oh, who they play next? I think they might play New England, actually. Um, so, you yeah. know, that, that, that's a big game out there. And, yeah, they play New England on Saturday, the third. Yeah, yeah and I... I I have, I, I just have a sneaking suspicion they might cause an upset there. You know, New England they lost in the weekend um, to you know a not great Dallas side. So it's 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 open the Eastern Conference this year more than any. Um, obviously, you know we will we will hope the Union uh, managed to sneak through, but um, <laughs> you know you said any any of those top five I think could definitely make a tilt. Yeah, you know. New England was not a team that we really were afraid of last season. And when we found them in the playoffs, we were like, oh, well, we beat them six times. We shouldn't have a problem with New England at all. And then they come in here to Chester. And we, you know, thankfully, Casper was able to squeak a header in uh, into the net and make it 1-1. But they were winning the entire game, essentially, uh, against yeah. us. And, and we were fortunate to get that point. And Dave and I had mentioned this on the first week of the show. You know, getting that point against New England was huge, not only because New England has, is currently at the top of the table, um, but it's they, they just look good. They, they're tough. You want to be able to earn a point against a tough team like that and say, okay, at least we got one, and now the point means a lot more now with, with how, how well they're playing. Um, but we've seen teams like the Union who have been on the top of the table, and then a break comes along or they just the wheels start falling off. So it, it's certainly – you're hoping as a Union fan that eventually those wheels for New England do fall off because last season they really were not what they are right now. So it's, it's a lot to uh, keep an eye on. 
Um, but, you know, how about Nashville? We're playing Nashville on this weekend. Anything, have you noticed them at all or anything particular from Nashville that kind of caught your eye before this, this upcoming game? Well, no, not really. Kind of, it's been kind of a strange one, but Nashville, I haven't really seen much of. You don't really, you know, you don't really hear much about them. They're not, you know, they're, 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 not, league, they're not league leaders. They're, I think they're just, they're just sick, aren't they? Yeah, they're in sixth place right now. They're four points behind the Union uh, currently. Yeah, they just threw their 1-1 game against Montreal. Yeah, and it's just strangely, obviously, the way that the TV rights work in England is that obviously we only get, I think, it's two or three games per game week. Yeah. And for some reason, they, they don't seem to like Nashville very much. <laughs> I haven't been able to catch much of them. But, you, uh, you know, they're, they're a strong defensive team. Um, I can certainly see them having a go, a go. You know, it's a big game week this week. You know, Union Nashville is what, third v sixth. Uh, New England Columbus is first v fifth. You know, but the table could be completely overturned. The other team we haven't dealt about, of course, is um, New York City FC. Yes. Um, yes. What, what have you seen from them so far? Well, I have mixed feelings about them, um, about their existence, actually. Um, you know, <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're, they're part of the City Football Group. Um, which obviously you know is, is is run by people behind Manchester City. Uh, you know they've got clubs all over the world. They've got clubs in Australia and uh, Uruguay, India, and you know this is basically Man City America. Um, and I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I agree with it. You know the same extends to the the Red Bulls. Um, you know we, we've seen this week that uh, Caden Clark, you know the, the winger for the New York Red Bulls, he's he's hopping over to to Leipzig. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure it's level playing field. Um, when you have these these franchise teams, you know, to a lesser extent, you've got um, Colorado Rapids, of course, who are owned by the same people behind Arsenal and 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 um, is it the Broncos in NFL? Uh, yeah. The Rams. Yeah. The Rams. That's it. Yeah, okay. I'm not very good at my other American sports. Right, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a little bit corporate. Uh-huh. Um, you know, New York City don't don't. I, I know there's a lot of stadium sharing, but. You know, they, they, they just don't seem very, they don't seem like a club. They seem like a branch of Man City. Yeah. So you mentioned the stadium, and I'm going to talk about NYCFC because their stadium, they play in Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. They play in a shoebox, basically. It's, you know, it's awful. Yeah. The, it, the, is, the, it is awful. It literally looks terrible. Um, yeah. On TV, I'm sure even worse in person. Have Do you guys have anything like that overseas where there's a, a, a football team playing in such a small arena the, like that? The, the, the only close comparison I can think of is that a football team in the lower league might ground share for a couple of seasons. But in, in terms of that, you know, England is is it's a nation of football, um, nation yeah. of soccer. It's it's mm-hmm. it's you know you have rugby stadiums, you have big rugby stadiums um, that hold you know anywhere between fifty to sixty thousand people. But you know we, we we don't have you know the full sports. You know you've got baseball, you've got um, uh, American football, you've got soccer. You know. I can kind of see why, because, you know, if I was in charge of a city, I wouldn't want three stadiums that could hold 40,000 people. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, you're kind of looking at England and, you know, if there's a stadium, the likelihood is that that's going to be a football stadium. Um, yes. They're all just built for football. We'll see. That's the thing. So for, for New York City, it's obviously such a congested area. There's not much green space there to build a city or to build a, a stadium. So the Red Bulls play in New Jersey, the Jets and the Giants, they play in New Jersey. Um, so I understand why they don't have a stadium, but you just, you go up there and you try to play a game and it's, it, it's just not good for the game as a whole. Uh, it, it gives your, the away team such a disadvantage 
in terms of just being able to play their game in such a, in such a tight quarters. And Eric mentioned on the comments, if Mike can bring that up, you know, he hates NYCFC just as much as he hates the Reds. And I completely agree. Uh, I just, they, there's something about them that just kind of is a thorn in our side uh, for, for years now. Um, but uh, going back to the Nashville game a bit, a bit, the, they play very strong at home overall. They, they don't really lose. They, they will even either draw or they will win. Um, and it's, more so with the draw aspect. If I, I was looking at a sports book line off the game, and it has Philadelphia plus 279 and Nashville at plus 100, the draw at plus 236. So yeah. I feel like the books are leaning towards a draw, if not at least a Nashville uh, win. You know, talk about, you know, playing o- over there for the Union. How do you think they'll do against a team they've never played before? What is your experience with teams playing a team they've just never seen before? Yeah, again, it's it's kind of strange. You don't really get that in, in, in international football um, because, you, you know, in, in the MLS, which is a good thing, they're expanding and new teams are coming in. Yeah. Time. Um, in England, you know, everyone who comes up to the Premier League has basically been around the Premier League. You know, yeah. you've got certain clubs, you know, I know, for instance, in the MLS, they don't have relegation, which does annoy me, actually, I have to admit. <laughs> it, means that, it means that the San Jose earthquakes can get away with being awful every year. Um but it's, 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 a, it's a very distinctly American phenomenon. But, yeah. you, know, you do have teams that, that you don't play before. Probably the closest comparison is international continental football. Um, you know, when, when you've got a, a team perhaps in the, the European, well, the Europa League or the Champions League in, in, mm-hmm. in Europe. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's a strange one. It's weird. It doesn't really have many comparisons uh, in okay. international football. Um, yeah. Especially as the, you know the, the, the teams that you're likely to never played before. Uh, I think I, I, actually, I think having said that, I think in the Premier League next year there is a team that has never been in the Premier League. There you go, um, Brentford. Brentford. Now, uh, from Brentford. from the international side, you know, it's, 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 it's really interesting. And now, how do you think that will be over there for the Premier League, having a team like that come into it that nobody's seen before? How do you think they'll fare against the competition? It's it's it's, it's tricky because you know yeah. in the past three seasons. A, a newly promoted team has done quite well. You know, in 2018, Wolves, my, my own team, we went up, we came seventh that year. You know, we people just didn't know how to, how to play against us. Uh, the following year, Sheffield United um, yeah. came up. For the first heavy, yeah. yeah. They, they were heavily tipped to be relegated. Heavily tipped to be relegated, ended up top half. And, you, you know, th- this year was a little bit different, I think, because, you know, no fans. Um, yeah, and you know, there's, 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 there's quite a tradition in England. We call them yo-yo clubs, uh, which are clubs that go up and down and up and down and up and down. There's no stability. Um, a prime example is a club called Fulham, um, who are owned by the same people that own the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, well, uh, speaking of up and down franchises, right there, the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> just terrible. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. And, and yeah, you know, the, 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 these are clubs that you know they come up, they spend fifty million on new players, they don't gel, they have an awful season, they go back down, they sell yeah. those players, go back up again, then use the money they've, they've got by selling the players to buy new players. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. I don't know how it's sustainable. But you get Fulham, prime example, they came up a couple of years ago and bought four goalkeepers. I mean, it wasn't like they were, they were buying a first-choice goalkeeper and a backup. They bought four first-choice goalkeepers, top-quality goalkeepers. It was very strange. So, yeah. you know, when you have these teams that come up to to the Premier League, you know, mm-hmm. especially the big teams, you know, if you're Man City or or Man United or Liverpool, and you've you you know you, you've 
comfortably able to put, you know, three past Real Madrid, three past uh, Juventus, and then <laughs> you go to Brentford, and suddenly they're playing six at the back, um, you know, proper tackling. You know, it's, it's strange for teams, and, you know, with, with Nashville in particular, I think they've definitely been the beneficiaries of that this season. Yeah, I, it's it's weird, you know, thinking of how they're going to compete against Nashville. I mean, Dave, let's you're Jim Curtin this week. Who do you – or what do you tell this team about the game plan or, or the lineup? Um, how do you approach a team that you've never seen before? That's obviously a weird one because they were playing in the Western Conference last year, which obviously – means that the Western Conference is now one team down. Uh, we'll move on to, after we've discussed this, we'll move on to the Western Conference because I know Sam has some yeah. strong feelings about a couple of teams in the Western Conference. We can pick a couple of those teams. But again, it's going to be, I think you just sort of have to relay the same message you do every week. You prepare the right way. It doesn't matter who this team are. We're going to treat them like they're the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. It will be a tough task, which it will be. Now, as Jim said in his press conference earlier today, they are a good team. He's expecting a tough battle. They're a very good team at the back. They're very good defensively, but they will offer the Union a tough task with their attack. So, again, I think you've just got to prepare for it like you do every other game. You might not have played them before, but you've got the tape on them. You know, you can see who the key players are. You know, you can see how they play, how they line up. So that's the, obviously, that's the beauty of modern day technology, isn't it? Where you can, you have all these facilities and te- all this technology that allows you to know how these teams play. So, again, just no. prepare for it in way. Absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the players that we do have some familiarity with is CJ Sapong. Uh, we should be seeing him uh, with Nashville. I was not the biggest CJ fan, but he did have some great moments for us yeah. overall. What are your What are your initial thoughts here in his name coming back playing against the Union? Um, well, obviously, uh, he was sort of around one of the bigger names around when I first started watching the Union. So he's one of the players that I probably have a fonder memory on because I started watching when he. I think he had. He had probably his best season in, as a union player. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Sapong was is very up and down striker. I'm not sure if he scored this year. Actually, have like a quick it. look. I can tell you right now. He has, if my phone will ever load, he has one goal so far and assist. One goal. There you go. Let's see, just Sapong in a nutshell. Yeah, that seems like that seems right. <laughs> right. He'll either score. He'll either score plenty of goals, or he won't score at all. So I mean. Yeah. Again, I'm looking forward. Obviously, I think it'd be nice to see Sapong come back and obviously reunite with old teammates. As well, last year, looking at Sapong's record, he scored 13 goals last year. Well, in 2019, during the full season, the last full season. So, again, he's a very up and down striker. Hopefully, we don't we're not on the receiving end of a very good CJ Sapong performance of the weekend. Hopefully, he can carry on his current form. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you guys have kind of touched on on it already. You know. The Union are a team of, of that are a true contender in the MLS right now. And when you are a team of that caliber, you are able to control the game to the way you play. And Jim has voiced that over and over and over. You go and you play every team with your style, and you impose your will based off your style. So I'm sure that's going to be echoed again uh, this week. And I'm sure if something happens, that Jim will make his adjustment as, need, as needed. But you have to go in there. Play your game. If you if you try to play to their style, you are going to end up being uh, disappointed by your by your performance overall. So yeah. I think I think all you guys kind of nailed it on the head right there with how they should approach the game. You know, any any prediction so far, Sam? Any prediction on the game or, or what you're hoping that the Union pull out in terms of a of a, of a point or three points? I I would I think a point would be a good result. Okay. Um, 
you know, you touched early on the podcast, you know, we've had a problem the last couple of weeks of shipping goals. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Nashville, as you said, they're, they're not a team that you go and you expect to score three. So I think we're going to have to be really tight at the back. I hope we don't have a really bizarre own goal. Um, I was tempted to make the um, the, the Glesnes own goal goal of the week because it was beautiful. It was. It, was, yeah. it was really nice. Looped her over. Um, but, yeah, if, if, I, if you force me into making a score, I'd, I'd say an optimistic 1-0 for the Union. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dave, have you yourself well, I mean, anything uh, jumps out to you there? Um, well, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some positive news on the injury front heading into this game. Obviously, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jose Martinez will be back for the game, whether it's coming off the bench or if he does somehow start. Um, Bedoya will be fit. It looks like he apparently got through training. I was reacted positively in training today. Looked good. good, so he should be fit. Anthony Fontana some concussion protocol, so he will miss the game and hopefully he might be able to come back for the Red Bulls game, if not the following week. And then Jack DeVry, who's been in concussion protocol for what seems like a year now, is obviously yeah. still in there and is unavailable to play. Um, score prediction-wise, I think I, I think we might see the likes of Powell and Burke play on Saturday, so Curtin perhaps can give some more rest to the likes of Baizo and maybe Casper or Sergio and they're going to have to take off take on a brunt of the load heading into this Gold Cup period. Um, I'm going to piggyback off Sam's optimism. I'm going to say one nil Union. Uh, I think we could probably see a Shibirko or... No, screw it. Daniel Gazdag scores first Union goal in his first step. I, Okay, you heard it here first. Gazdag scoring his first MLS goal. Dave Miller at 9.03 p.m. Eastern time called it. There we go. So we'll, we'll look back on that for the next show. Um, no, but I think you guys are spot on. Personally... We talked about this with Chicago. We wanted to see at least a point out of, you know, on the road, which is what you always want to see in the MLS. You always want to see a point on the road. But the problem is you don't want to see a 3-3 point on the road. You want to see, a, you know, a low-scoring game from your defense. So because of the, the recent amount of goals that they've let into the net, I'll be happy with a 1-1. I'll even be happy with a 0-0 draw. I, I want to see at least a defense put out a performance in a tougher environment and say, yeah, you know, we're still a dominant defensive force. We can still make sure we keep the goalie uh, with the, with the clean sheet, or at least you know, with with only one up. So I think I yeah. think one 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 zero is exactly what I'm looking for. You know, if they lose, at least make it one zero. Don't make it a blowout because that's not what you want to have uh, currently. You know, with with how they've kind of been playing a little bit iffy of late. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then the, in the prediction for the lineup, Dave, you mentioned Reese about you know the change in, in possibly Pal being there. I, I really want to see Bedoya back in there. He is not the best player on the field, you know, I, without question. But he is so important with leading the team and being the voice out there and controlling the pace of the game. So I really, if anything, I want to see Bedoya at least get a half in, and hopefully he's playing at a high level. But before we go to the Western Conference, I know Sam has stuff about you know to talk about the Western Conference. Any other thoughts on Nashville before we continue? No. I think we're good to go. Okay, so Sam, you know, Western Conference, what are your thoughts on those teams or anything yeah. that kind of stands out? Yeah, so Western What's Conference is, um, is, you know, it, it, the, the Union don't play in the Western Conference, which is, you know, sounds like an easy thing to do. So it's easy to forget, you know, exactly what goes on there. Yeah. Uh, Forgotten Conference. <laughs> um, but, you know, as Dave said earlier, they have 13 teams. Now, maths isn't my strong point, but even I know that if you have 13 teams in a conference, that means that one team's not going to be playing every week. And, you know, this week at the Colorado, you know, was it Colorado Rapids this week? I don't think they played. Um, and, you know, I, 
I don't think it's sustainable. I don't like it, that's for sure. It seems off to give a team a week off every week. Um, you know, obviously you have interconference games as well, which kind yeah. of make it a little bit fairer. But, you know, if you're in the Western Conference, you've got an odd number of teams. It's very strange. It, it, it's one of the, the weirdest parts of the MLS, I think, for me, is that, you know, <laughs> if you look at every other league in Europe, they have an even number of teams. Um, but I suppose it's very I suppose that gets tallied up next year, though. Who's joining next year? Is it Charlotte? Oh, yes, it is Charlotte. They had their logo come out. It was not very great, but I'm sure they'll put out. But actually, speaking of logos, I like Austin's logo. And Matthew McConaughey is their owner, and he's been very involved with them. But that's another team in the Western Conference that is, uh, you know, one is at the bottom of the table at the moment. But, you know, interesting. But, yeah, go ahead, Sam. Any other, any thoughts on that particular squad out there? Yeah, so, yeah, ironically enough, I've been following the earthquakes a lot. Okay. Um, because they're utterly miserable. Um, you know, last week they lost. They lost five 0 to Orlando. You know, we said earlier Orlando is a, a, a good team, but that they looked just devoid of any ideas. You know, I was meant to be on last week, but sadly the joys of internet failed me. I had a beautiful rant about Orlando, um, the Orlando match, where they just they just gave up. Now, one of my pet hates in any sport is if you go a goal down or two goals down, you don't give up. But that's exactly yeah. what the Olympics have done now in two consecutive weeks. You know, they lost five 0 last week. Uh, on, on the last weekend, they lost 3-1 to Galaxy. And mm. I, I just don't understand what's going on there. You know, the, 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 the managers at Almeida, I, he, I, I don't know what he was thinking. It's it's very strange. You know, I've watched the Earthquakes a lot. I've watched Chicago Fire a lot. And I watched the, the Whitecaps um, this weekend. For, I think the first time, actually. And, you know, these are all three teams down the, down the, the tail end of the Western Conference. Yep. But... The, the, the earthquakes for me, play, they played the worst football. And, you know, if there was relegation, God forbid, for the earthquakes, I think, I think they'd probably try a bit more. But they just sort of gave up. Yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, the Union played San Jose, I think, two years ago. And they had like a come from behind win against or draw against. And if Eric is still watching, I'm sure he'll chime in because he probably knows exactly what game I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, there's the bottom feeders are, are – pretty bad overall vancouver is one that's struggled yeah. uh, for sure but seattle kansas city la you know obviously are closer to the top of the table you know dave anything that you've noticed from any of those top level squads or, or any other team out there i mean obviously as i'd said beforehand the western conference is sort of a difficult conference for when personally for me i don't i sort of focus more on the eastern conference because that's the direct directly impacts the union obviously there you um, go. See, I remember. Yes. Okay. Eric nailed it. So Wanda was in the stands shirtless with the fans and they were going crazy because they were winning. And then we completely just ripped his heart out. <laughs> but go ahead, Dave. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say, obviously, it's sort of the forgotten conference. It's what it's sort of a, I sort of focus more on the union games of the Eastern Conference because there's direct impacts on the union. Um, obviously, Sam's relayed to me that the from what he's seen from San Jose, it's been pretty dire so far. Uh, I just want to quickly go back to uh, Nashville, obviously, um, as we put, sorry, yeah. divert off in a different... Obviously, with Charlotte coming in next season, this is probably going to be the only year that the Union have Nashville in their conference. Nashville will probably head back off to the Western Conference next year with, obviously, Charlotte playing in the Eastern Conference. That's Actually, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I was working my head. There'll, there'll be an even number of teams. That's fine. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, again, look at the uh, Western Conference, obviously, the big... You've got your big guns, you've got Yale Galaxy, 
obviously um, FC Dallas obviously one of the better teams, but they're very again they're sort of similar to the Union where they've created a lot of very good uh, academy players. But the one team that's perhaps shocked me in the Western Conference has been Portland. Obviously, they won the MLS's Back Cup last year. They're they're quite well known for being a pretty good team. Obviously, they've struggled a bit this year. Obviously, it's been well documented their their injury issues before the Union game. Didn't have the best time the Concacaf Champions League as a team, perhaps worth watching out for heading into, um, well, heading into the Concacaf sort of area of the season and later into the summer. Yeah, it's weird. I'm looking at the table now. You're right. I forget about the Western Conference. It really doesn't affect us too much, but they have five losses already, uh, only one draw and four wins. They have 13 points and currently in seventh place in, in the West below Houston. Um, yeah, you, you know, you you think of Portland, you think of success, you think of a strong, tough team to play, and right now they are far from it, in the, right in the middle of the pack uh, in the West. Um, but you know, I guess in in the, in the situation where we do, as a Union fan, want to reach the MLS Cup final, we want to play a Western Conference team to, to get that trophy. You know, if we make it that far, what is the team that is most dangerous or most likely to make it to play against the Union if, if we, we were to reach that level? That's a, that's a good, it's a good question. Um, it, it's a good question. In terms of, in terms of the... You know, who, who do you not want to face in terms of the fact our defence is a little bit leaky? I think Galaxy would be pretty tough. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Seattle. Seattle are a good team. Yeah. Um, you'd want to probably avoid them. Um, I haven't seen much of Kansas City. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's another thing, actually. That's another thing I take uh, annoyance with. Is that Kansas City, I was rather be told, is not in Kansas. That's right. <laughs> it's in Missouri. But this There's Kansas two Kansas City, cities. Yes, but this Kansas City is in Kansas. Yeah. Oh, it's so confusing. Um, but you know, I haven't seen much of them, and I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know much about Kansas, but I know if I was a Union fan, I would not want to want to play Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've lost to Seattle and Kansas City in the Open Cup previously, so I have a strong disdain for both squads <laughs> as a personal on a personal level. But Seattle just always finds a way to be really freaking good. I think one year when they actually ended up winning the MLS Cup, they were they started off pretty rough in, in the beginning of the year, and I, and I can't remember the year. I apologize now, but they, they have the culture to always find a way to get themselves back, which is kind of goes back to Portland. Why I'm surprised that they haven't risen a little bit farther on the table. They do have a, a you know a track record of being good. But Dave, any particular team that you like right now? I don't want to play if I'm the Union. Again, Seattle Sanders, obviously, but very much like the Seahawks. It must be a Seattle thing. They're literally the <laughs> epitome of consistency. They're always good. They always get positive results. Yeah. Um, again, as you said, obviously, I don't think I'd want to play it. Maybe in late into the postseason, if Portland get there, I think they'd be a very dangerous team. Yeah. Obviously, they beat the the last time the Union played Portland in the high stakes game. Portland got the better of the Union, so maybe. The cloud of doubt there from the MS Bat Cup, the the flashbacks of that. But I think yeah, those are probably the two teams. I think obviously Portland. I think gonna have a big second half of the season. Uh, Sam, I, one of our final questions for you regarding the West. You know, are you surprised at all by LAFC only having twelve points and being farther down the table, considering they are a higher market team that is pushed as one of the top level teams in the MLS to watch? I don't, 
I am and I'm not. You know, LA is 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 rare in MLS. You know, you know, it's a city with two teams. Yeah. And again, this might have absolutely no bearing on how a team performs. But you know, when you when you're in such close proximity to your your opponents, your rivals, there's there's a tendency to sort of overtly focus on them, and and they're not, and they're not focusing that. I think that's what LS, LAFC have done. Um, you know, you you look at Galaxy; they've been at a class above, a class mm-hmm. above them, and. I, it's it's a it's a tricky one. I am surprised. Yeah, you know, going in going into the season, I thought that that you know the, the top the top few teams would be the two teams from LA and Seattle. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm quite surprised they've fallen off the pace so quickly as well. You know, we're, we're what I don't know about halfway through the, the regular season. Um, you know, they're they're nowhere really. They're 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 not where they need to be. No, they're ninth, twelve points. They have three wins, three draws, and four losses. They're absolutely a middle of the pack kind of. Mm-hmm. 15 you know, 500 uh, club, but yeah. you're right. You know, you see that with the Clippers and the Lakers, you know, other, t- other cities have two teams, Chicago, the White Sox and the Cubs, you know, it's sometimes it's you unfairly compare the two teams, even though they might be different, you know, yeah. conferences or whatever, but uh, you know, Dave, how about yourself? Any, any thoughts on LAFC being kind of uh-huh. where they're at? I mean, not obviously again, obviously considering I found correct. They came the first year there in the league. They won the MLS. They won the entire MLS cup. Didn't they? I don't remember right now. I, I want to say maybe. I, I have to go back here. I, I don't pay attention to the Western Conference that much, as you can yeah. see. I, can look I know I'm pretty sure they came in. As soon as they came into the league, they had a pretty big uh, media impact. Obviously, they struggled last year as well. So, But I'm pretty sure they won the first in their first year. They won the second year. They, they won both the conference and, and the opening thing. That's it, yeah. Okay. But even then, they came third in the conference in their first year. So they've um, they've somewhat well, they've somewhat been known from their short history as a team that lives full success. Um, so again, I'm shocked that they're doing so poorly. But they've got a player, a proven player at this level, like Carlos Vela. Yeah, absolutely. So, but again, I'm very shocked to see them down there. But again, they came seventh last year. Maybe they, perhaps they've struggled of not having fans in the stage and not having the LA crowd behind them. Obviously, Sam as well. There's obviously some big games coming up this weekend as well, not just the Union. Are there any games that perhaps we should be looking out for, not just from a Union perspective, but an entertainment perspective as well? Yeah, so, you know, I've already said about New England and Columbus, you know, that, that's, that's a big match in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, especially when the Union play Nashville. Um, in, in terms of, you know, the, the, the other one, you know, it might be interesting, you know, DC United, not a huge fan of them either, it must be said. Um, <laughs> you know, they're away to um, to second place, well, second last place, Toronto. And, you know, we'll be hoping for a, a little bit of an upset there, I think. Um, in, in terms of the Western Conference, because I, I am annoyingly quite a fan of the Western Conference, um, you know, you've got a big, big match at the top of the table there. You've got Kansas City against the Galaxy. Um, you know that, that that'll go a long way. If I was a Seattle fan, I'd be sort of rubbing my hands with glee. I think at that point. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then one thing one thing I love about the MLS is, is just the geography of it. You know, the, the, the longest trip for any fan in England <coughs> is a, oh, about three hundred odd miles. Now the longest yeah. trip here, we've got Vancouver traveling to Dallas. Now that's a hell of a trip um, for fans. Yeah, I, think. I would say so. It's a long car ride. <laughs> that's, 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 uh, I think that's probably only beaten by if uh, Vancouver were playing playing in Florida. But, um, you know, yeah. you, you, you look at the matches next week, I think I think definitely the Kansas City Galaxy one's one that I've got my eye on. Um, and then, of course, in the Eastern Conference, you, you you know, you've got to hope that New England slip up and I think they might do against Columbus. 
Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I definitely keep an eye on those games. Uh, and you mentioned DC United and Toronto. You know, another Toronto is another team that has a high caliber, high reputation. Mm-hmm. They are way down there with five points. So it's yeah. DC United, another team that I, I know is, is at eighth place right now with 13 points. So a, a win from Toronto would certainly help you just pushing them further down the table, kind of keeping them out of, out of, uh, out of a way there. But yeah, those are excellent games. And I think the New England Columbus one in particular is one that we absolutely have to keep an eye on as a union fan to see where yeah. we fall on the table after that match. Uh, any other thoughts or anything from Dave that you, you want to ask Sam uh, before we wrap um, up the show? Absolutely no. I just researched the uh, distance. Obviously, driving my car took 34 hours to drive from Vancouver to Dallas. You only got to stop at least three times, you know, three or four times, and just keep on driving. Have some get fun. Yeah, I get was gonna say, <laughs> I was say that the longest journey here is Plymouth to Carlisle, wasn't it? So. Yeah, Plymouth Carlisle, Plymouth Sunderland, it's one of them like that, yeah. Well, those, yeah. That's, that's, that's probably what, a, a, an eight-hour trip? Eight hours, yeah. Eight hours up, eight hours down. Yeah. No, that's so. by car, though, driving, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so for us, it'd be all plain. So let's say if a Western, you know, if the, the LA Rams want to play the Eagles, it's a six-and-a-half-hour flight, six-hour flight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that is week by week. You know, the Rams will play in Philly, then they're going to go to Jacksonville, then they go back to Seattle. It's a weird <laughs> – yeah, geographical uh, thing certainly plays uh, a disadvantage for the the traveling team in the MLS yeah. and any sport in particular for the United States. It's it's very tricky, which it's, is why there's no Alaska or Hawaii teams. <laughs> it's, it's it's you know travel travel's always always been a part though of football, but you know especially in the Western Conference, you know some of the trips these teams are making, you know yeah. even even you know Portland to Vancouver is a hell of a trip. Yeah. Let me know the others. And you know, we've seen during the um, I'm not sure if you followed the um, the Euros much. Yeah, over over here in Europe, Mike. But um, you know, some teams have been all over the shop. I think uh, Wales, who are my <laughs> adopted nation, um, they ended up going back and forth to the Far East. Um, yeah. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Yeah, they, they went to Azerbaijan, uh, to to Italy, uh, back to Azerbaijan, back to um, uh, the Netherlands. So, you know, that, that, that's that's a hell yeah. of a trip. And you, you could see it, you know, by the fourth game, they were tired. They were, they were lethargic. They were, yeah, <laughs> yeah they were not very good at retaining the ball, certainly. So I think travel's a huge, you know, especially you know, in 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 a COVID world as well, you've got so many protocols to get through. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it, it takes it out of you. No, I think yeah. you've seen it already in the interconference interconference games this season. Obviously, when the Union played Portland. Oh yeah. And obviously, I've said it to Mike before, it's the hardest thing to do in the MLS to win away from home because there's so many different variables that you don't get with England. Obviously, you've obviously got to deal with the travel, you've got to deal with the difference of the climate, obviously, um, the sea level, like the uh, sea level as well. Obviously, places like Denver, it's so yeah. difficult to, well, Colorado, it's so difficult to obviously like adjust to the volume and everything. Like, I think. Obviously, going a bit off topic, but like Bolivia, I think is probably one of the hardest places to play in the world. They say because it's so high above sea level, you can't breathe. And I think you see it with the American games as well, and the US yeah. national team plays in the qualifiers. Teams like Mexico or Honduras, they deliberately move these matches when they play America to these high altitude places because they know the American team won't be able to deal with it. I think you see that in, at a smaller level, you see that impact here in the MLS. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the Union are, are fortunate because teams like New England, Columbus, NYCFC, the Red Bulls, DC, they're all a very short flight, flight away. It really does not take long to get to any of those cities for the Union. So they're fortunate being where they're at. The majority of their teams that they're playing are within a short 
you know, two hour plane ride. And, you know, they went to Chicago the day of, and they just took a, a quick flight over and they were there in no time. So um, absolutely the travel is, is a huge part of it. But, uh, you know, Sam, we're, we're going to wrap up the show here. It was great to have you on. I appreciate you staying up late. I hope you take another nap tomorrow, please. Dave, you as well. Uh, but it, it was absolutely great to have you. Can you give us, you know, where can our fans follow you or, or find you on Twitter? Oh, I'm, I'm everywhere on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Santaly99. Um, it's, it's, my Twitter's a bit of a mess. It's got a bit of everything. It's got a bit of politics, got a bit of football. Um, quite a lot of anger against England. Um, but, um, Eurovision. Uh, Eurovision as well. Oh, yeah, Eurovision. Look at the love. That's a whole separate podcast. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, it, it was great talking to you, and I hope we have you on again soon and, uh, and, get, and get a chat with you and hear... What do you think of the union? Uh, again, maybe further on to the season for sure. I was going to say quickly yeah. before we move All right, we're on to the uh, so quickly before we go on to the uh, ads and everything. Next week, the union players we mentioned earlier in the podcast yeah. play during our time slot for the podcast. So after the press conference is over, with Jim Curtin, me and Mike will hopefully be able to jump on and quickly do a post-game reaction show, which will be 30, 35 minutes at the most to go over the game. If you guys want to come in and talk and discuss the show feel free to sam obviously your invites open to you as well yeah it's a red bull so there's gonna be a lot of emotion so hopefully it's an, a positive emotion and not an angry emotion because <laughs> otherwise we're gonna have to to watch the uh, pg-13 comments coming through for, against the red bulls but uh yeah exactly so we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted guys on online to uh see how we're going to approach yeah. next week's uh thursday night game but um you know, obviously, all about the birds. We have some great sponsors on deck. So we're going to start with Manscaped. You want to get the man in your life the perfect gift. Well, get him the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code AATBIRDS at manscaped.com. Imagine surprising your man with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized body hair trimmer that says your balls will thank you. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code AATBIRDS. Next is Odds Jam. Odds Jam is the number one software platform from Sportsbook Bandits. Their software shows you how to make risk-free cash off FanDuel, DraftKings, and any other book you can think of with the arbitrage calculator. Never lose a bet again. Sign up today at oddsjam.com via AATBIRDS, which you can see wait down there below the link. Statement Games. Check out Statement Games uh, for a fun new way to fantasy sports and entertainment win gift cards or prizes and it's completely free to sign up it costs zero dollars it's a great place to go uh, to get your fix for fantasy sports sign up at statementgames.com which again you can also see down there on the link below in the banner next 99jersey.com get 20 percent off all your next orders by using discount code aatbirds20 check out the website selection of quality kick-ass jerseys of your favorite sports movie characters throwback jerseys and some of your favorite stars again order today 99jersey.com. Save 20% off by using discount code AATBIRDS. And last but not least, we have us, the All About the Birds shop. Get your across-the-pitch gear and all of the All About the Birds network gear from our, all of our shows. It's right over there, that shirt that just popped up on the screen. I got it from my dad for Father's Day, and he likes it. So that was a win for me. The last thing is the social media. Please follow, subscribe, and all the social media platforms we have, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you miss the show, Apple Podcast has it, where you can watch on all those platforms as yep. well. Uh, there's a tons of ways to, to get yourself back 
and, and on track and catch up with all your favorite shows. So please uh, give us a follow and a like, and, and we'll be happy to, to answer any comments or questions for the next show as well. Uh, but for everything that wraps us up here, a big shout out to our producer, Mike Devlin, Mike Devlin 12 yep. on Twitter. He is the backbone for this, makes everything go, makes us all look good on the screen. Uh, Sam, thank you again for having us, Dave. Thank you, Sam. Uh, again, you know, go get some rest now. I appreciate talking with you, and we'll talk soon. Go Union, guys. Go Union. Go Union.